Good morning again. Did you, uh, Cecil had announced we were uh, down a couple of folks this morning, and Marty came to me. I don't know if Marty's in here. He's in the hall, but Marty's one of our deacons, and, and you know, the deacons usually serve the, the communion. And he came to me, and he looked kind of nervous. And he said, he said, what are we going to do? He said, we're two deacons short. And I said, well, that's better than two short deacons, right? But he didn't think that was funny for some reason. But, but we, we handled it, and, uh, and I, I, I said I, I deputized Cecil for a minute so that he could, uh, he could help us. So, Cecil, you can, you can undeputize yourself now if you want to. But it's good to see everybody this morning. I am looking forward to Christmas, aren't you? I am looking forward to it, and, but I'm looking forward to it because it was when, when God came down and put on flesh and was born of a virgin so that he could die on a cross for my sins. I, I had a preacher friend of mine, I was talking to him yesterday, and, and I asked him what he was preaching today, and, and he, I said, are you preaching from Luke chapter 2 like I am? So that if you wanted a, a cue, there you go, but he said, no, he said, I'm not preaching from Luke chapter 2. He said, he said it's just too much of a cliché. And I said, a cliche, the birth of our Savior is a cliche. And, and I got on to him. I said, listen, I said that, that Jesus came as a baby. I said, yeah, it, it, it's, we do talk about it every year, but I don't think we should ever, ever, ever stop talking about the birth of our Savior. Amen? No reason to, to, to avoid it just because, just because we talk about it every year. You could preach on this every Sunday, and, and I may do that for the next month, so y'all just bear with me. I probably won't do that, but this morning I'm going to read the, the entirety of, of what we know as the, the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. So if you would stand to honor the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 2, verse number 1, and I'm going to read 20 verses. Luke chapter 1, or Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. The Bible says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished, that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid." And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. 
And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made note abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for allowing me to be in your house this morning. God, I thank you for each one that's here. God, I just pray that you will bless them for their effort of being here this morning. God, I just pray that as, as we dive into this text, God, that you would let us see just what you did for us, and how that you sent your son in the, in the humblest means possible to be born so that he could die. God, I just pray that you would give me clarity of mind, clarity of speech this morning. God, let the Holy Ghost do the preaching. God, use me as your vessel because I can do absolutely nothing without you. God, touch folks this morning. And God, let us never forget what you've done for us. God, I pray that if there's any loss, God, that you would convict their soul. Let them know that Jesus didn't just stay in a manger, that he grew up and died on a cross and rose from the dead so that they could be saved. And Father, we love you. Thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We go from the book of Luke to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 13, verse number 8 says this, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. I want you to understand that a lot of times, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll get, the, get the notion or get the idea that, that it was almost a plan B that Jesus come and be born. And that man would sin and God said, well now we have to fix man's sin. But ever since creation was, when we go back to the book of Genesis, and I won't take you there this morning... God knew, Jesus knew from the foundation of the world that he would be slain. So with that being said, this morning I would open this sermon by saying, uh, since man was created, that it was God's will that Jesus would come to this earth. Now I want you to understand that, that, that God's will is something that you need to understand and that you need to know. God has a will directly for your life, but he also has a, a will for this earth, a will for all people. God is not willing, the Bible teaches us, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? The Bible says that, Peter says that, that God, that is God's will that nobody should die and go to hell. And so in order to accomplish that will, God's will of, of, of all being saved, God had another will. And that was that his son come and, and, and put on flesh and take upon the form of a servant and come to this earth. And I want you to see through this text this morning, a very familiar text. I, I'm sure that we've all read this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, probably heard it all of our life, but it should never get stale. It should never get old to you. You should read that with new wonder every time. And as I studied it and as I read it and, and, and just went through it, the whole time I looked at it in the light of everything that was done in this text was so that God's will could and would be accomplished. God had a plan, and His plan was for Jesus to come, but several things had to happen and several things did happen in order for that 
to come true. So we find in Luke chapter 2, in just the first couple of verses, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. God used Caesar Augustus, didn't he? God used the Roman government so that his will would be carried out. But I thought, why in the world would God use a pagan, wicked, evil man like Caesar Augustus? Now I'm going to give you a quick little history lesson this morning. If, if any of you are students of the Bible, you should know that Caesar Augustus was one of the most wicked men that ever ruled the Roman government. Now, now some would argue that would be Nero, and, and I understand that. But Caesar Augustus was, was a man that thought himself to be equal with God. He was on such a power trip and he was on such a, an ego trip that he would, he would just, if anybody spoke out against him, he would just have them killed immediately. And so in his greed and, and in his power trip, Caesar Augustus one day decided that he would take a census and count everybody. And then not only would he do this, but they would come and they would pay taxes where that they were born. Now I want you to understand this, that that was God's will. Did you know that? That Joseph would have to come to Bethlehem and he would bring his wife Mary and ultimately that Jesus would be born there. If you remember two weeks ago in the sermon I preached and I talked about Micah chapter 5 verse number 2. And it talks about that Bethlehem, though it be little, though it be small among all the towns and all the villages of Judea, that the Savior would come from Bethlehem. And so this evil, wicked man called a census. And I found this verse interesting. Proverbs chapter 21 verse number 1 tells about just how much power God has. Proverbs 21 1 says that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Even though this man, Caesar Augustus, thought that he ruled the world. You notice that the Bible says there, it says in those days that the decree went out that all the world should be taxed. Now what does that mean? That means that the Romans were, were high on their self and they thought that everything that they ruled was the world. When you got to the end of the Roman Empire, to them you got to the end of the world. And so he said that everybody is going to pay taxes. But I want you to understand that even though this man thought he was somebody, that even though this man was fully against God, even though he hated the things of God, God still used a pagan man to accomplish his will. Do you see that in the scripture this morning? It says that, 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 that all the world should be taxed. It says in this taxing was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria and everyone went to be taxed, everyone... And to his own city. And so Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea. And to a city of David which is called Bethlehem. So we see that God can use anyone that he wants to. I want to take that, that thought this morning and just tell you that, that no matter what the government's doing. That no matter how bad things seem. I want you to understand that the Jews were just, they had been crushed by the Romans. They were in subjection to the Roman government and things were bleak, things were bad. But even though things seemed bad, even though things were bad, I want you to understand, God was still in control of that situation. There was uh, that evil man named Caesar Augustus, even though he thought he was somebody, God held that man's hand in his heart. And he told him to call that census. He told him to call those people. Uh, that, that's amazing to me that God would, would tax his people just to accomplish his will. But that's what he did. 
He called for that. And ultimately, the prophecy was fulfilled. You may not be a Christian this morning, just as Caesar Augustus was not, but I want you to understand that God can still accomplish His will through you, but God has a will for you this morning. And God wants to accomplish His will, and His will will be accomplished. Is that a lot of wills for you this morning? I want you to look on down, and and we find after this decree was called, that in particular we find one person. We find two people, actually. We find a man named Joseph and a woman named Mary. Now, I studied this out, and as I was looking, you don't find much about Joseph past these verses. You find Joseph here at the birth of Jesus, and you find Joseph when Jesus was 12 years old, and then Joseph is referenced to a couple of times in in relationship to being Jesus' father, but we don't hear a lot about Joseph. You study out all the Gospels and, and all the New Testament, and you don't find much out about him and so we asked the question why Caesar Augustus and that was so that God could show his power so that God could could come down and show that he was still in control of the things of man but then we find Joseph verse 4 and it says and he Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And I thought about this man, Joseph, and And as I studied him out, we don't find much out about him, but you do find a couple of characteristics about Joseph. In fact, Matthew chapter 1, when the angel comes to Joseph and reveals that Mary is going to have a baby, the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 24, says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. We find that he was obedient to God and took unto him his wife, And knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. This man Joseph was what the Bible says was a just man. That he thought about putting Mary away privately. That he wasn't going to make an example out of her. He was just. But then we find that God came to him and revealed to him that the events that were about to transpire, the events that were coming, and the angel appeared to him. And so Joseph, the Bible says, did exactly as God had said. I want you to understand this morning that, that Joseph, I believe that God used Joseph and Mary in particular because Joseph was a willing vessel to carry out his will. That Joseph was willing... To do what God had said. Joseph did not begrudgingly do this. Joseph didn't say, well, well, God, I I might do it, but you're really going to have to change my mind. It says that Joseph got up and he did exactly what God had told him to do. This man, you have to understand, Joseph was a very common man. That Joseph was just a what you would call today, he was just a blue-collar guy. See, Jesus had every single right in this world to be born in the nicest palace that there was. He had every right to to be born in Rome on Caesar Augustus' bed in in the nicest palace. But no, God had a plan, and that plan was for a humble carpenter. 
For a humble, hardworking man just like you and I, this man was no different than many of us. Anybody in here consider yourself just a blue-collar person? Just an old hard-working guy. You're not anything special, but yet God uses people. And God accomplishes His will through common people. So many times in the Scripture, God would take just a guy that was minding his own business just living for the Lord, just, just doing what he was supposed to do, and he would do great things through them. Even though we don't hear a lot about Joseph, even though a great to-do is not made over Joseph, I want you to understand he has a very special place in Christianity, does he not? He was honored enough to be able to be the earthly father of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think it was an accident that he was a carpenter. Jesus could have been born to anybody, but he was born to a carpenter. And why is that? And I thought, well, well, Jesus, number one, said he was going to prepare a place for us, so he knows some things about building, don't he? He also says that that he's going to build on the chief cornerstone, and he's going to build a church, and he's going to build this. and, And Jesus is all about building things. Jesus didn't come to tear down. He came to build up. And so I believe that God chose a carpenter for him to be born by. But not only do we find a carpenter, we also find a young virgin girl. Probably 13 or 14 years old. I couldn't imagine having that responsibility. But see, Mary was, was a very special lady. And we talked quite a bit about Mary last week and, and how that God chose her and how that God used her to do a great thing. We don't deify Mary, but I tell you what, folks. She did the will of God. She was, she was obedient to what God said, and God's will was accomplished. Just two common people. Mary was probably just a a stay-at-home, was just going to stay at home. She didn't do anything much, and Joseph was was just a, for lack of better words, he was probably just a a dirty old carpenter. He He probably had calloused hands and a sweaty old shirt on, but yet God used him greatly. God wants to use every single person here. God wants to use the most common people to do the most extraordinary things. But I believe that it helps a whole lot if you'll just be willing to do it. Amen? Have you ever ever thought about the fact that, that when God asks you to do something or when God tells you to do something that's in His will... that, that it, It's absolutely crazy to try to, to try to go against God, isn't it? But how many times do we do that? How many times have, has God asked you to do something? How many times has God said, I want you to do this to carry out my will or to accomplish my will? And you said, no, God, I've got a better idea. I'm going to do something else. I've tried that. And I tell you what, you're going to be a miserable person. You, you can't go against God. God's will will always be accomplished. His ultimate will will always be accomplished. And so it was his will that Jesus came and he was born just in a, in a common birth, in a stable. I, I can't imagine when Shaylee was born. She was born two months early. And she, was, she weighed, she was a little bitty thing. And she was, she's still pretty small. But she was born in, in neonatal ICU. And they made a big to-do over that. One of, the, one of the biggest things, don't you understand, about neonatal ICU is they demand that you be clean, Right? Why? Because babies are sensitive to, to, to things, bacteria, germs, and, and nastiness. So we would have to go in and we would have to take our rings and our watches off and, and, and wash up to our elbows and put these, put these uh, uh, gowns on and go in just to hold our baby. 
But Jesus was born and laid in a manger where they would put, where they would just pour the feed out or put the hay, and he was laid in there. What a humble birth. I couldn't imagine. But it was, it was good enough for a king. It was good enough for Jesus. And that was God's will for Jesus to have the most humble birth. Not even to be born in a house. Not even to be born in the inn. But to be born out back in the barn where the animals stayed. That, that's just how humble Jesus was. We see Mary and Joseph. We see Caesar Augustus. We have some names here, but then we have some anonymous people who have what I believe is one of the greatest jobs in the world. And we go on it and we, we find in verse number 8, read with me, it says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in their field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Uh, Brother Ronnie's here this morning with me, and, and he will attest to this, that when I went to Israel, I, I've been waiting months to tell this, that we went over there, and, and I actually got to go to Bethlehem. And I got to go to that city, and, and it, was, it was in kind of a hostile place, but we went over into the Palestinian territory we went to Bethlehem. And it was awesome to be able to see the place where they claimed that Jesus was born. I got to go into that church and we, we stood in, in just a huge line with all these people that just wanted a glimpse of what the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church thought, where they thought Jesus was born. They had a pretty good idea. And so we stood in line for, for probably over an hour just to see what, what amounted to about, looked about like a fireplace really. It was just, it was in a cave. But what really spoke to me that day was, was Ronnie requested the tour guide. The tour guide's name was Caesar. What a terrible name, right? His name was Caesar. And, and I just thought about that this week. And I thought, what's, what's he, what was he getting at when he had that name? That, but anyways, and, and Ronnie asked Caesar, he said, can we go to the shepherd's field? And I thought, okay, I understand the general concept of the shepherd's field. But right outside of, of Bethlehem is, is just a desert place. It doesn't look like much could grow there. And, and, and at Bethlehem they have this huge church. But at the shepherd's field they have just a little chapel there. And we got to go to the place where the shepherds would water their sheep. There was a cistern there. And, 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 and up until probably just a few, maybe a hundred years ago or something, people would raise sheep right there in that spot. And we got to go out and we got to see the shepherd's field. And, and I had never thought much about the shepherds. Let me give you just a few things, a few facts that, that you can look up yourself about shepherds. Number one, shepherds were the lowest of the low in Jewish society. If you thought a carpenter was just a low-down job, if, if it wasn't a special job, I'll tell you what was worse than having to do that. It was having to be a shepherd. If you were a shepherd, you would stink. You would be out all night with the sheep. You would, you would spend all day, you would be disconnected essentially from society. If you were a shepherd, the people that you associated yourself with was other shepherds. Shepherds were so low in society that they were not allowed to testify in court. Because nobody would believe them. Nobody would listen 
to the shepherds. Sound a lot like fishermen, don't it? Nobody, nobody believes those guys. But these shepherds, they were out there and they were, they were doing what shepherds did. They were minding their own business, watching the sheep. Surely, if the Son of God was born, the news would go out to, to better people than shepherds. But who was the first to hear the news? The shepherds. The angels appeared to them and they were minding their own business. And, and as I've, I've never ever studied this out and thought about it. But these shepherds were raising sheep. And what were they raising their sheep for? What did they do with sheep? And it occurred to me, our tour guide told us this and, and it was amazing. These shepherds were raising sheep so that they could be sacrificed in the temple. Is everybody with me? Everybody understands the sacrifice in the temple, right? See, Bethlehem is just a few miles walking. It'd probably be a day's journey from Jerusalem. And at Jerusalem was the biggest temple in the area. And they would be sacrificing sheep all day long. And our tour guide, who was probably a Muslim, asked us, he said, why did the angel appear to the shepherds? And we all stood there and scratched our head. And, and, you know, we had Rudy Oaks with us. He's a doctor of theology. So I looked at Rudy and I said, yeah, Rudy, why did they appear to the shepherds first? I thought, this is a smart guy. And we all scratched our head. And it made sense. He said, because they were about to lose their job. I thought, what in the world? They were going to lose their job. He said, there was going to be no more sacrifice needed. The temple was going to be, would, would not need the sheep anymore. Why? Because the lamb had come because the lamb had come to be the ultimate sacrifice so God sent the angel to the shepherds to tell them hey you're going to be out of a job hey you're you're not you're not going to have to raise the sheep for the sacrifice anymore because the sacrifice is here and so it says that as soon as they told them that, the, 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 the angels were surrounded by an angel, a heavenly multitude, and they said, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. That peace on earth was going to become because a sacrifice was going to be made. Why the shepherds? Why the lowest of the low in society? Now, I think part of it was because God wants the lowest of the low. God wants the worst of the worst. God is willing to come to the lowest people. If you think you're low down, you just, you just think about how bad a shepherd was. That God was willing to come and share the good news of the gospel to the worst folks in society. He didn't go to the king's palaces he didn't go to the synagogue and tell the Jews. He didn't go tell the religious people, hey, the Savior is here. He went and told the shepherds. And I believe the shepherds were excited about that. Why? It's just because he says, let us make haste. Let us go now and see this thing which has been told unto us. And so it says that they immediately got up and went to Bethlehem. It was just a short distance from where they were to Bethlehem. I, I always had it in my mind that they just traveled for days and days and days, but just a short distance, and they might have ran the entire way to see the baby Jesus. But they didn't just stop there. I'm sure that they, they worshipped Him, that they, they adored Him, that they lifted up holy hands to them. But then they wanted to do one more thing, and that was go tell everybody they could, hey, the Savior is here. The Savior 
is here. The one that, that we've read about, the one that has been prophesied to us. It says that they came with haste and they found them. But verse 17, it says, When they had seen it, they made known abroad, everybody they could tell, the saying which was told them concerning this child. And, and in verse 18 it says, And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I bet there were some people that, that didn't believe the shepherds. that thought, well, these are just shepherds. They don't know what they're talking about. But they had the best news that had ever been on this earth. That the law was fulfilled in the baby Jesus. That the sacrifice was made in the baby Jesus. That we men had a chance to, to reunite with the holy God through the blood of Jesus. What better thing could the shepherds tell than that? What better thing can we tell as Christians than the fact that Jesus is here? That Jesus is willing to commune with men. We have the good news we have good tidings of great joy to tell the world. And God can use the lowest of the low. God can use any of us to accomplish His will. I'm glad that God chose common people, aren't you? I'm, glad, I'm, just, I'm just a hillbilly. I really am. I'm just from Sparta. Y'all know hillbillies? I mean, I had to buy shoes to come here and pastor this church. That's how hillbilly I am. <laughs> But I'm, I'm just a common guy. But I tell you what, I come on behalf of the King of glory. I, I get to go into the world and tell them that there is a Savior. And I get to tell them that the sacrifice has been made and that they can be saved from their sins. That's something to be excited about, isn't it? That's something to rejoice and praise God and say, Thank you, Lord, that I can, I can spread the word. Thank you, Lord, the sacrifice has been made. God's will was and will be accomplished. He used a pagan king. He used a common carpenter. And he used some stinky old shepherds. But they were used to accomplish the will of God. Now my question, one last question this morning, why would God choose you? What would God do with your life? Does God have a job for you to do? Absolutely. God had a job for each one of these people and they accomplished it and His will was done. But what's God's will for your life? What has God asked you to do? Well, God has some overarching things. He's told us to go into the world and spread the gospel. But on an individual basis, what is your part of that? See, each one of these folks, each, each one of these three, three groups of people that I've talked about, they had just a small part in the will of God. I stand here this morning behind this pulpit to accomplish what is my small part in the will of God. But God has so much greater of a will. And I believe that this church and every church could do great things if we would all just get in the center of God's will. This Christmas, I know this is kind of a strange message, but we need to understand God's will for our life. We need to understand that God, He accomplished His will. I'll ask you to stand this morning. And we'll pray, Brother Cecil and... Sister Lauren, come to the piano this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you 
Lord, that we can read this story over and over because we have your precious word. Thank you for letting it be recorded. But God, I pray that as we go into this season, this Christmas season, God, that it would, it would not grow stale to us. God, that it would, just, it would not be old to us, but God, every time we read it, that we read it with a fresh set of eyes and a renewed mind. And God, stand in awe of what you've done. Stand in awe that, that, that you condescended to low estate and put on flesh so that I could be saved and so that each person in here could be saved. But not only did you do that, that you gave us each something to do. And we saw that this morning in the text that we each have a job, that we each have something to do in your grand plan. God, as we see this, Lord, I hope that each one in this auditorium, Lord, is in your will, but Lord, some are probably not. God, I pray that you would touch lives this morning. God, as we sing, Lord, I just pray that people would search their hearts on an individual basis. God, that you would search hearts and deal with people and let them know that they too can be in your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Cecil. Just as I